Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Tuesday, May 12, 2020. And today is the second episode of a new series that I just started yesterday. And I believe God put it in my heart to share news events. And so that's what I'm endeavoring to do. And in case you were wondering about the previous series I was doing called Revealing Mystery Babylon, this is going to be that series. And the only difference is because when I first started uh, studying that topic, this topic of uh, Revealing Mystery Babylon, I didn't know where to start. So I was seeking God about that, and I believe he gave me the obvious answer is you start at the beginning. So I did and went back and studied a lot of uh, the scriptures that I thought that I already knew. In fact, I wasn't really even that excited to go back and do that because I thought I had a good handle on those things. But I didn't. I was amazed to discover some very, very important events that are revealed in the book of Genesis and other scriptures at the beginning of the Bible that are revealing what's going to happen in our generation, major events upcoming that we need to know about. And I was also amazed to find that it's one of the most neglected topics in the entire Bible. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing a a lot of the things that I learned in that uh, research But that's not what I'm talking about today. But my point is that I went back to the beginning, so all this time I've been thinking, well, I guess that's the way I'll present it. I'll just start at the beginning and go forward. Unfortunately, though, I think that approach would probably take about a thousand years longer than what we have time left, you know, before Jesus returns. And so that's probably not a wise approach. And so what I got a couple of days ago was, you know, you just... For you, you know, you are going to go start back at the beginning. But for for presenting it, we're going to present. We're going to focus on news events, and that I think makes sense. And so I will be getting into news events. That's going to be the primary focus. But I really think it would help a lot if I can show you in the scriptures uh, what I have learned, because it's so much easier if you can see it there first. And I think it will make a lot more sense by the end of this program and especially um, after a few more programs um, because when when I first came across these things, um, I was just being presented with historical facts. And it was taking me quite some time to process this because it was completely changing uh, my perspective and what I understood about historical events, Um, and it wasn't until later that I began to go and connect the dots and say, and find these things in the scriptures, so I'm hoping that by by giving it to you um, in the scriptures first, it'll be a lot easier for you to process, because this, what I'm presenting, is a major new um, way of thinking about current world events. So I I know it's going to stretch people. It stretched me big time. And I think it's going to be very helpful if you can see it in the scriptures. And there's way too many scriptures to present today, but I want to present a key passage today that I think 
uh, spells it out very clear, and it just leaves it up to us to connect the dots because there's really, it's a very, very clear passage that says what it says, and there's really no, uh, no wiggle room around it that I can see. It's pretty clear. But yet, if you believe what the scriptures are revealing, then everything else that we've been told has to go because it, it exposes the lies that we've been told. And so this passage is found in Daniel chapter 2, and this is the story of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And this is during the time when the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon, and Daniel was among them, and King Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream, and he wanted his wise men to not only interpret the dream, but tell him first what was the dream, and then interpret. And, of course, they couldn't do that. They couldn't believe he was even asking for such a thing. And uh, so it, it came to Daniel, and he heard about it, and he believed that God could and would reveal the dream and the interpretation. And that's what happened. God showed Daniel the dream and the interpretation, which the dream, he explains in verses 30, 31 through 35. And basically the dream, the king saw a huge statue. And the head of the statue was made of gold. The chest and arms were made of silver. The belly and the thighs were made of bronze. And the legs were made of iron. And then the iron continued into the feet, but, but in the feet it was a mixture of iron and clay. And so that's what the king saw. And then he sees a stone that was cut without hands. And the stone struck the image on its feet and broke them into pieces. And as soon as it broke the feet, the whole um, statue was crushed and just blew away in the wind. And so that's what, that's what the king saw. And then in verse 36, Daniel gives him the interpretation and uh, tells him, I'm going to just read from verse 36 because it's, some of you might not have your, your Bible right in front of you. And I think these verses are really important, but it says in verse 36, this is the, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the kingdom of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours than another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron, 
and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. And verse 43, as you saw the iron mixed with the clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So this is a pretty simple, straightforward picture of all the kingdoms of the earth, starting with Babylon in about 600 B.C., and going forward and continuing all the way to the end until the time when this stone that is not cut by human hands, which we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ, returns to the earth and destroys the kingdom of Babylon, destroys the kingdoms of this world system that have run throughout the course of history. And so what we have here is a road map that shows all the events of history that's still in progress. It has not ended, has not completed yet, because the Lord has not returned yet. And so we know that we are still on this road. We're still completing this dream. It's still unfolding after all these thousands of years. And that is a very important point because it makes it relevant for us today and it reveals what's really happening in our world today. And the good news about this dream and interpretation is there's pretty much universal agreement as to the kingdoms that it's, that it's applying to. So that you start with Babylon, the head of gold, and then you go down to the chest and arms of silver, which is the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, and the two arms representing the two parts to that empire. And then you go on to the, the belly and, and thighs of bronze, and that is the Greek Empire, which was eventually defeated by the Roman Empire in 148 B.C. And the Roman Empire then is the legs of iron that continues into the feet so that the feet are made of iron and a mixture of iron and clay. Now, this, I believe, is a very key passage because it's revealing that this Roman Empire, you know, they defeated the Greek Empire way back, 148 B.C. Ever since then, they've been continuing these legs of iron and feet of iron and clay have been continuing uh, to reign in their empire, their kingdom. But yet today... We don't think of it that way. We don't typically think, where is this Roman Empire? We don't see a Roman Empire today. But yet, here it is in the scriptures, plainly telling us that this kingdom that all the Bible scholars universally agree applies to the Roman Empire. Here we have the scriptures telling us this thing continues until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, 
to establish his kingdom upon the earth, and he will destroy the feet first, the feet of this statue, and then the rest of it comes tumbling down. And so all the way through to the end, in fact, in verses 41 and 42, it specifically twice mentions the toes. So this thing continues all the way down into the feet and then all the way into the ten toes. And that's important because that's a reference to uh, the ten kings that are explained later in Daniel chapter 7. But there are ten kings that arise in this kingdom at the very end of its reign. And I want to take a minute to just interject something here that when it's referring to these earthly kingdoms, I had recently written an article explaining how from the scriptures, everything that happens in the visible realm is merely a reflection of what originated in the invisible realm. So there's two things going on here. And uh, so when we're talking about these kingdoms on the earth, it's also talking about the, the kingdoms in the invisible realm. And that point is made clear in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel had been praying uh, for help in uh, trying to understand the visions that he received, and he was perplexed. And the angel Gabriel came to him, and he explains to him and says, from the very first day that you set your heart to understand these things, um, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So Gabriel was delayed in his uh, efforts to come help Daniel and come provide understanding to Daniel because he was resisted not by an earthly prince or an earthly king, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him 21 days. He's referring to a spiritual, uh, an angelic um, being. And then he explains, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, this is Daniel 10, 13, the angel Michael came to help uh, Gabriel in this fight. And he says, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, he's not talking about human kings there. So this theme runs throughout the scriptures that there are angelic beings, there are angelic uh, there's angelic warfare going on. There are angelic kings that, um, just as we see the ki these kings and kingdoms on the earth. So I just want to inject that point because we're not really going to get into that so much today, but it becomes very, very important um, in upcoming programs to uh, help us understand a huge event that's coming at the end here before the Lord returns. But for today, let's consider this statue and this Roman Empire that makes up the legs and the feet and the toes. Now, I already touched on a very important point that this Roman Empire continues until the end, but another important point is that the uh, dream reveals four kingdoms, and these four kingdoms align with the four beasts that are described in Daniel chapter 7. And so there aren't any more than four. Um, and we see that by the composition of four different elements, gold, silver, bronze, and iron. The only difference about the Roman kingdom 
is that at the end the feet are a mixture of iron and clay but yet the presence of iron is still there and the visible display of iron represents the open display of the brute force of this empire which used weapons made of iron that were stronger than weapons made of anything else and and because of the iron um, they were a superior kingdom and as Daniel explains in chapter 2 verse 40 he said as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything like iron that crushes that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others so this display of iron shows the power and the strength of this kingdom and this iron continues right into the feet and so this Roman kingdom undergoes a transformation near the end and Rome has ruled far longer than any other kingdom they go back even before they conquered the Greeks in 148 BC they go all the way back to 753 BC so this kingdom has been reigning so far for a total of 2,773 years and counting and during that time it underwent many changes it started out as uh, monarchs kings ruling for about 250 years it then became a republic with a senate uh, elected by the people and it operated that way for nearly 500 years but then it morphed again and it became an empire with all the power concentrated in the hands of one man and it ruled that way for another 500 years and still it wasn't done it the Roman Empire officially ended in 476 AD and it did undergo a transformation phase there and for some time it was uh, not as strong as it had been but it did not go away because uh, the same people uh, that we see operating this kingdom today um, were still functioning just their influence was diminished for some time but in the year 800 they morphed again and formed the Holy Roman Empire where the um, the Pope would um, crown rulers of Europe as emperors over their uh, part of the Holy Roman Empire and that kingdom went on for a little over a thousand years until um, 1806 and so it looks like when you study uh, history it looks like that was the end of it but according to the Bible that was not the end of it this kingdom continues the only difference is it morphed again and became a f the feet made of clay and iron now whereas before when it was the legs the iron was openly displayed for everyone to see but when it morphed it became hidden so that when you look at it you don't see uh, the iron as much it's mixed in so that you see this mixture of clay so the power of the iron the power that the iron represented that had once been on display for all those years in this final phase that we're in today 
that power is still there, but it's not visibly on display. It is hidden inside the clay. So the iron's still there, it's just intermingled throughout the feet and the toes. But even though it's intermingled, it is still iron. It's still just as powerful, just as destructive as it ever was. Now, at first, when you consider that it's mixed in with a weaker substance, clay, you might conclude that this kingdom is weaker at the end. And the scriptures even tell us that it will be divided by the mixture. But the other scriptures in this book of Daniel, chapter 7, uh, reveal that this kingdom will by no means be weakened. In fact, this kingdom will be uh, more dreadful. Daniel describes it as more dreadful and more terrifying than any kingdom that preceded it. And, and the angel Gabriel confirmed it. He said, it will be different from all other kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. This prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. This kingdom is not yet done and is not yet finished fulfilling the prophecies. And if it was weakened and uh, no threat, no danger to us at this point, then why would the Lord Jesus have to be the one who destroys it at the end? Why would that be even necessary, uh, this pathetic, weak kingdom that has no power in it anymore? That is another confirmation that this kingdom is going to continue to be extremely dangerous, terrifying, dreadful, right up until the end. And we see that also in Revelation 13, where we have a description of a kingdom that arises with power over the whole earth. All the people of the earth are brought into submission, subjection to this kingdom. So we need to look at this mixture of, of iron and clay in the context of all those other scriptures to understand what's happening here. And so I'm going to tell you what I believe it means. I've spent some time studying, and here's what I believe it means. When it's talking about a king, this kingdom will be divided because these two elements don't mix iron and clay. I believe what that's saying is you have a kingdom divided. You have the people of the iron who are loyal to the cause of Rome. And then you have the people who are the clay who have their own loyalty, their own allegiance to their own nation. And so you have a divergence of loyalties and that's the reason, that's the primary reason why uh, Rome at this phase is no longer operating um, under the banner of Rome. And whereas before, for all those thousands of years, Rome operated openly, um, where Roman soldiers were dressed in the garments of Rome, and they carried the symbols of Rome, which was the Roman eagle. But when you enter this last phase, Rome takes a different tactic. And instead of uh, operating openly on display as Rome, they morph into the, the nation that they've infiltrated so that they become one, what appears to be one nation, but yet 
they are really not merged together because the allegiances are different, and they're and they're kept secret, secret allegiances to Rome uh, within the other nations that they occupy. Now, if we consider iron and clay, and just consider the properties of each of those, we see that iron is very um, strong and firm, and when it's put together with clay, the iron doesn't yield. The iron doesn't give ground to clay, but clay does give ground to the iron. Iron's very strong. It's not easily molded or, or manipulated into different shapes. And that is showing, I believe, what Rome has demonstrated all throughout their history. They are relentless in their pursuit of conquest. It never ends. And this is what we see in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the rider on the white horse who is going forth conquering and to conquer. There is no end to their pursuit. They are unyielding. And uh, that's the way Rome has always been. And I believe what this is showing is this conquest, this uh, pursuit. They will never repent. They will never back down. But clay, on the other hand, is easily manipulated and reshaped and reformed, especially wet clay, which in Daniel 2.41, it describes it as miry clay, which is wet clay. And it's also described as potter's clay which is the clay of a potter. The potter can form and make something else into it. So you have one substance that's unyielding, the other that is known to be easily manipulated. That is a formula for disaster because that's telling us that even though it is a mixture and even though it is divided, the iron will have its way, not the clay. And the iron has another advantage over the clay in that it is um, solid. It is unified. And so this kingdom, the kingdom of Rome that's represented by the iron, is unified in its centralized power and control from a single control point. They are on the same page. They are working together as one. Whereas the clay is not cohesive. Clay, I looked up the definition, it's finely grained natural rock or soil material. It consists of a bunch of little fine grains, a lot of small pieces that are held together just by nothing more than a, some moisture. And so clay um, easily falls apart to break up into smaller pieces. It does not have that strength of central control, that unity that iron has. It's not firm like that. Clay is, is, would be more of a uh, decentralized, the power of the people who are bound together by some common bond, their constitution, their beliefs, but they, they are easily molded and, and constantly shifting and changing um, and in case, some cases even falling apart easily. And so what we see in the feet is a picture of this Roman Empire continuing relentlessly to advance its agenda, and in this case, it has to operate um, undercover, stealth operations uh, to bring the clay into submission to its will 
without the clay even understanding what's going on. So there's deception. There's deception in this process because the clay has to be remolded to the will of, the, of Rome without understanding that they're, that they're losing, that they're, they have to manipulate public opinion, in other words, to get the people to willingly yield to Rome without understanding that they're even doing that. They have to willingly give up their national sovereignty, their liberties, and um, conform, uh, give more power and control to Rome. So the masses, the public, are manipulated through um, deception and um, tactics we would call today um, mind control, um, lies through the mainstream media, through movies, television, that convince people to believe lies. And it reminds me of what the CIA director, William Casey, told President Reagan in 1981 in their first cabinet meeting. Uh, William Casey said, when everything the American people believe is a lie, we will have accomplished our objective. And I shared in my book all sorts of evidence of the CIA for decades, going back to the beginning of the CIA in, in 1947. They have been manipulated. Uh, they have a huge operation within their organization that is just for the purpose of manipulating the news media, movies, television shows. It's called mind control of the American public. That's been happening for decades. And all I'm trying to do is show the scriptures that explain why that's happening and who's behind it. Now, in this environment, in the foot, the iron cannot uh, resort to its historic practice of just uh, brute force at every turn because they need the people, they need the clay to remain co uh, compliant, to give their consent. They need the people to remain deceived so that they'll be uh, willing to go along with the, the program and just keep, keep nudging them along. So they can't just always come out and hit people over the head with the iron. And they have to resort to more um, um, stealth tactics. And uh, one of the main ones that we see them using is bribery and blackmail, where they try to convert uh, the, the people of the nation they occupy, they try to convert them to their side, um, saying, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, if you'll do this, we'll make you wealthy. If you don't do this, you know, we're going to kill your kids and uh, we're going to kill you. So they are using their brute force, but they're using it in isolated secret um, cases where they can keep people silent. And if the people don't keep silent, they'll find ways to keep them silent. And uh, we've seen so many examples of that were quote-unquote suicides. The, one of my favorite ones was the guy Gary Webb, who wrote the book called Dark Alliances, uh, exposing the CIA drug trafficking business. And turns out everything he wrote in that book proved to be very accurate. But he had some visitors show up at his house, 
And uh, well, it wasn't. It wasn't presented that way. It was presented that he shot, that he that he committed suicide. But the problem was he had two bullet holes in his head. Who ever heard of shooting themselves twice in the head? But yet, uh, it was ruled a suicide. And so they can even get a coroner to say, "Yep, that's uh, that's a, looks like a suicide to me." Two bullet holes in the head, and that's a suicide. I mean, it's beyond ridiculous. And that's the kind of things that, that are happening and uh, that are root, they're routinely getting away with, leaving a trail of bodies that nobody's ever charged with a crime, and it's just called a suicide. Now, I've given you a lot to think about today, and I know for me personally, when I uh, started learning these things, it took me some time to process it. It takes some time because... You start understanding uh, and seeing through the veil, and uh, it's, you know, it's a lot to process. And so I'm going to stop there for today, and I will pick it back up again tomorrow. Now, I did want to mention briefly that I'm posting these things on YouTube, and YouTube has really been cracking down lately on any kind of dissenting voice, so I don't know how much longer I'll be allowed to do that. But if you really want to keep in touch with uh, these programs and get on our mailing list, I recommend signing up for it. There's a sign-up form on the top right corner of every page on z3news.com. So if you're on our mailing list, no matter what happens, we'll be in touch. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long. <laughs>